Um, but I want to uh, go into prayer before I share with you guys what God has kind of been challenging me and the series that we're going into right now. So let's just close our eyes and, and welcome God in this place. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that you love us. God, that you uh, desire to be in a relationship with us, God. And Lord, I just pray that you as the master gardener, Lord, that you would start to, to just work the soil this morning. God, that we would take the words that are being shared, Lord, that we would take your word, God, and we would apply it to our life. No matter how long we've been walking with you, Lord, we can always, always grow in who you are in us. And so, God, I just give you this morning in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So what I titled this sermon is Get a Life. Get a Life. Your life is your sermon. What is it going to say about you? Your life is your sermon. What is it going to say about you? Um, We as a staff decided that we were going to go into this series and, and talk about the values of successful people. And what we really truly believe the values of successful, successful people are the values that we have not only as a church, but some of the things that we put up on the wall. And so if you read Spanish, you can look that way. If you don't, uh, if you read English, you can look over here. And so we're going to talk the next couple of weeks on life, world, dream. And uh, I'm ringing them, ain't I? Is it because it's situated wrong? Um, we're going to talk about this morning is life. And they gave me the opportunity to speak on life. And so I started looking at that. And that's why I titled this sermon is Get a Life. Um, and we're, we're starting with life, and, and if you read on there, it gives you the, the definition of that. So life is more than a game. It's more than a serial. It's more than a magazine, right? We have those titles on a lot of things. And so the definition that's on that uh, board over there on the, the, the poster thing is, is, I just lost where it was, the transforming power of Jesus Christ within us. And I think that's powerful. The transforming power of Jesus Christ within us, bringing healing wholeness, meaning, and fulfillment in all aspects of our existence. And then the key verse that's on there is John 10.10. And it says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so the sub points underneath there are walk with God, is learn the Bible, and grow in relationships. And so hopefully um, by the end of this service, you'll see how we're going to hit on all those points and how you're going to be challenged to not only grow your life, but to learn more about the Bible and to grow in your relationships, not only with Christ, but with one another. And so my first question to you this morning is, what is truly living? What is truly living? You know, our message theme, the value of successful people, you think that successful people would be able to say that I've truly lived. And that's what our challenge to you is, is that not the view of what the world thinks is successful, but what God's view of successful is. And so what is truly lived? Someone who has truly lived will be successful. It doesn't matter how many years you live. It determines on, on whether you're truly living. And, and I, I say that our, our pastor Eric went out fully living. Not perfect, but he left this world as demonstrated with a life of impact. And the thing that's so powerful about that is, is you don't have to be a pastor to make an impact on this world. Eric didn't make an impact as, as just a pastor. He made an impact as Eric, as a person. And everywhere Eric went, not everybody knew Eric, pastor. He would be in a restaurant. It was guy sitting in the corner with his computer. You know, he'd go into the grocery store. He would go wherever he went, and he was sharing Christ. He was making an impact in everything that he did and everywhere that he went. So anytime I do a sermon, well, the first thing I do is, is I, before I want to challenge you guys with something, I say, okay, Chase, I want to challenge myself. And so the question that I asked you guys, I, I started to ask myself, and I said, am I truly living? Am I truly living? 
And so I, I found this survey, and it says 50 people, they, they found 50 people over the age of 95, and they were asked this one question, and I asked Ira this morning if he remembered that question. <laughs> he didn't. Um, but this is the question these people were asked, 50 people over the age of 95. If you had your life to do over again, what would you do differently? And so almost 5,000 years of experience and, and all the answers that came about, there was three answers that stood out, three answers that kept coming up. And these are the three answers that were there. They said we would risk more, we would reflect more, and do more things that live on after we die. I thought it was pretty powerful. So I took each one of those and I said, okay, risk more. What was the last, last risk that you took besides coming this morning? Right? What was the last risk you really took? And it might have been a financial risk. It might have been, you know, I got married. Um, it might have been, you know, a lot of different things that are out there, these risks that can be taken. But really, you know, what was the last risk that you took? Mark Batterson wrote this, and I found this quote. It says, minimum risk equals minimum satisfaction. Maximum improbability equals maximum possibility. And so we look through Scripture, and, and Scripture is full of risk takers. People who took great risks. And I just jotted a few of them down that I just came to mind so quickly. You know, Daniel was a risk taker. He knew that continuing, continued to, to getting on his knees and praying every day was going to put him in the lion's den. And he said, this risk is worth it. And he took that risk and he's thrown in the lion's den. And the story doesn't go on to say that he was devoured. The story goes on to say that he walked away from that. We look at the story of David, a young man who took a risk when he fought a giant. And a giant loomed large. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a warrior out there who wanted to take on this giant. But David said, I'll take a risk. I know who's on my side. I'll take that risk. And he defeated the giant. I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three young men who were challenged to kneel down and bow to an idol. And they knew that if they didn't bow, they're getting thrown in the fiery furnace. There's no, there was no promise saying, hey, you know, you're, you're going to live through it. So they took a risk. They didn't bow. And what happened? They walked away from it. They stood in the fire and, not, and didn't get burned. And then the, the last one I, I wrote down is Jonathan. Actually, there's two more. Jonathan, and I love Jonathan's story. Uh, there's a time with him and an armor bearer, and they took on a whole army. And he says, we're going to do this. And I'd love to see the armor bearer's face. is like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, there's two of us, you know? And, and Jonathan says, we're going to take this risk. And they defeated the army because they took a risk. And the last risk that I pulled out was Adam because he took a risk asking God for a helpmate. That's a joke. That was just, I just threw that one in there. Um, but the risk, the next one is reflect. Reflect. You reflect more. To reflect more is to think back upon. You know, and we've spent the last three weeks reflecting on a great life. But what will people's reflection of you be? What will you be remembered for? What is your reflection? And the last one is live on after we die. What about your life will continue on after you're gone? What is going to continue on after you're gone? I don't just mean your kids that you have and that kind of stuff, but what kind of legacy are you leaving behind in your walk with Christ? And so, as I said, I, I always look at what I'm pulling out uh, this for myself, and what I pulled out for myself in this is that I would choose adventure. And I'm not talking about this church. But in my life, I want to choose a life of adventure, a life that is fully lived, and adventure doesn't happen by accident. Adventure doesn't happen by accident. It's intentional. You have to be intentional about living a life of adventure. 
So I want this to define my life. I want people to say Chase lived his life to the fullest. A life of adventure, a life devoted to God. And then one of the things that, that really helped me in this is, you know, like I said, I grew up in church. And so I had a mindset of what a pastor was like and how a pastor dressed and how a pastor talked. And I went from there and I went off to a Bible college and I learned the same things. I had great speakers, great, some of the greatest speakers around were coming into our colleges and speaking. And I listened to them and I wanted to be like them and great youth leaders. And I'm like, oh, I want to be a pastor like them. And I was trying to mold myself after them. And, and um, I even remember the first time I got the chance to get up here in front of this church and speak, um, I did what normal pastors would do in my mind. And I put on my suit jacket and I dressed up and I got up here. And as I walked in, Eric kind of giggled and laughed. He's like, really? You know, that's what you're going to wear? You know, um, and he was just, you know, in a way, just giving me a hard time. But one of the things that he taught me and he challenged me is he said, Chase, I want to know Chase. Who are you? And, and one of the classes he teaches in the blueprint class, he, he challenges us to really find out who we are. And, out, and Eric wanted to bring out the Chase and said, you know, it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to be the person that God created you to be. He didn't, he didn't call you to be anything else or anybody else. He called you to be you. We have a lot of the other people, you know. And, and it was a good challenge to me to start to look at myself and, and say, it's okay to be who I am. It's okay to, to, you know, for me, I've been a pastor of young teenagers for 27 years, and that's okay. When the normal lifespan of a youth pastor is one and a half years. Not life of a youth pastor. Maybe that's true, too. <laughs> of being a youth pastor. That's a little different. And you're like, wow, that's dangerous. I didn't know it was that dangerous. Um, no, but it's just one of those things that said it's okay to, to be a part of the life of the church in that realm and who God called you to be. And so a life full of adventure. And as I was looking into this, I found a word that defined me. I was like, I like that. And the word is neotenic. I don't know if you've ever heard of the word neotenic. The neotenic is a word that says the retention of youthful qualities into adulthood. And I'm like, that's me. I'm neotenic. I didn't know I had a word for it. Um, and my, my kid put it this way, Zeke, who's sitting in the back. I remember him saying, you know, Dad, I want to be like you. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? He goes, I want to be a cadult. And I'm like, yeah. You know, kids sometimes say it the right way. So I'm a cadult. And you can be a cadult too. But really living a life that is, that is to the fullest. Or living what I say is, is I want to have an abundant life an abundant life. And so we go back to John 10, 10. And what did it say? Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, but he doesn't end it there. He says, and that they may have life more abundantly. We were meant for more than a safe ride when God placed us here. Any part of this life that offers more, it requires more. It asks more of us than we're used to. It's an opportunity to grow more, to dream more, and be more than we are now. I'm going to say that again. Any part of life that offers more, it requires more, or asks more of us than we are used to. But it's an opportunity to grow more, to dream more, and be more than we are right now. Jesus didn't carry the cross to Calvary so we would live a halfway life, that we would coast through life. He didn't die on that cross so we could just barely make it into heaven. And that's the challenge that I have with you guys, for you guys this morning. John, in Luke 14, 27, says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. He even goes on to say that every day we need to pick up the cross. We need to take up the cross on a daily basis and follow him. 
And I thought about that, and I said, you know what, I should get the whole, everybody, just as a token to help them remember, is a cross-eyed bear. And everybody could have that cross-eyed bear, so when they get up in the morning, they're like, where's my cross-eyed bear? Think about it. You might get it. Maybe not. Maybe that's just how my mind works. Um, not the actual, okay, anyway. But if you guys remember, we had a pastor who loved preaching about the cross. And the reason he loved preaching about the cross is because he knew how to bear it. He knew how to bear that cross. John Piper said this, normal Christian life is one that boasts only in the cross, the blazing center of God's glory, and does it while bearing the cross. So back to my original question that I asked you guys. I asked myself, what is truly living? What is truly living? And so we're going to go into John chapter 15. And this is a part of the Bible where Jesus is at the end of his earthly ministry. It takes on the, a place on the night that he was arrested. And he's sitting there with his disciples and he throws out this challenge. And this is a challenge I throw out to you guys. Found in John 15. And we're gonna, I, I think they're going to have it behind me. You can follow along. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. In John 15, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, or some of them say gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And so in looking at this, when I, when I go through and I read my Bible, I love to, to mark it up. I love to write on it. And I have, you know, on the sides, I have notes all over in my Bible. And one of the things I, I did as I was reading through this, I started underlining, underlining the words that stood out, the words that kept being repeated. There's got to be a reason these are repeated. And the three words that stood out to me are the three words I'm going to share with you guys this morning. And it's the word abide, the word fruit, and the word branches. And so in this story, he talks about God being the vine dresser or God being the gardener. And then he talks about the vine, and the vine is Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to the branches, and the branches represent us. We're the branches. So life is all about abiding in the vine. Life is all about abiding in the vine. So the word abiding, I found the word in Greek, and the word abiding means mino, mino, which is connected to the Latin word, which is maneo, which is mansion or house. The other words that are used uh, here to, to represent abiding is to remain, or to continue, or to abide, or to live, to live. Abiding means to remain in one place at a given time with someone. So John uses the term mino here to express reciprocal indwelling. What I mean by that is we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. That's what it means to live and abide in Christ, is we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. Abiding is both active and passive. Abiding is passive in the sense that Jesus pursues us and invites us to rest in his presence. Abiding is active in the reality that the spiritual disciplines positions us to receive the life of Jesus. 
It's like heavenly sap. Discipline leads us to desire, which matures into delight. So you can't be abiding in Christ without those things that are written on that thing up there. You can't be abiding in Christ without walking with God, without reading his word, and without growing in relationships. It's not legalism. It's not dry discipleship. It's not manufactured spirituality, but joyous soaking in the presence of God. I mean, how powerful it is to look at that vine, the vine that, that feeds the branches, and to be fed, you have to be just soaked in the presence of God. And I love that song. It's probably my favorite song is, I won't relent until he has it all. You know, and our Father wants all of us. So what is God's intention here? He is the gardener, right? So what is the intention here? For us as the branches, it's to bring fruit, right? Through Christ the vine. So the second word I pulled out of there is the word fruit. Fruit is guaranteed if you're connected to the vine. And there's a lot of fruit in here this morning. Because there's a lot of people connected to the vine. And there's even a lot of fruit in here from Eric's life. But Eric was only a branch. He was not the vine. And it's, it's great. I had a, a young man who came and spoke at one of my camps many years ago that I did, and, and he was challenging our young people, and he pulled out this verse, and he was, he was talking about it, and he really brought this out, and it stuck to me. You know, we can have great pastors. We can have great mentors in our life. We can have great leaders. We can have great spouses, great children, all these things, and, and, and all these people that speak into our life, but they're not divine. They're just branches. And too many times, we try to connect ourselves to the branches, and the branches are not what sustains us. They may speak into our life. They maybe help us out, and later I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But we need to be connected to the vine. Connected to the vine. As we read these verses, what does the gardener expect of the branches? What does he expect of it? So the first part of, of chapter 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So the first thing that he, the, the gardener expects is that we what? Bear fruit. And he goes on, and later in that, that verse he says, Uh, He takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may what? Bear more fruit. There's something he's building on here. And then he goes down in verse 5, and he says that in him they bear much fruit. And he repeats it in verse 8. So desire the gardener, which is God, has in each of our lives as a branch, is that we bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Are you bearing fruit? So what is fruit? The, The word is karpos. And, and the scholars have assigned various meanings to the, this word fruit, including Christ-like character, which can be found in Galatians chapter 5. It can be a confession of Christ's name and praise. It can be a con- contribution to those in need. Fruit can be a, a conduct in general. And then fruit is also those converted through one's witness. And here John is referring to that which is harvested. The harvested fruit. Emphasizing that fruit of abiding is harvesting people. The fruit of abiding in the vine is harvesting people. And it's a process. The thing that that I found interesting is we don't produce fruit. God does. We don't produce fruit. God does. We bear fruit. God produces the fruit in us. He does the work. The word produce itself is, is to make or manufacture, where the word bear is to yield results. To yield results. We don't produce fruit. God does. We bear fruit. So then, 
We can't bear fruit if we don't abide in Him. How are you abiding in the vine? How are you abiding in the vine? And so the last word that stood out to me, and I'm going to cover more of this, are the branches. And in this reading in John chapter 15, there's three branches that are spoken of. And we're going to talk about those three branches. Because I feel that every one of us in this room are one of those branches. And my challenge to you this morning is to find yourself in one of these branches and to say, okay, God, that, that described me. That's the branch that I am. And so these are the three branches. The first branch is found in the first part of verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So this is what I call the taken away branch. The taken away branch. And, and the word here is arrow. And the primary meaning is to, and, and I, I, you think taken away means it's removed, but it's not. And this is the meaning of the word arrow here. The primary word of taken away means to raise, to elevate, or to lift from the ground, to take upon oneself and carry, to bear what is raised and carry off. What Jesus is saying is, in fact, every disciple in me who does not make disciples, the Father lifts him up. So if you're like me, this really didn't make that much sense. I didn't understand what it meant by taken away and lifted up and all these types of things. And so I looked it up, and there's a, there's a whole study on this called viticulture. And viticulture comes from the Latin word, which is vine, and it's the science, production, and study of grapes. It deals with a series of events that occur in the vineyard. When the grapes are used for winemaking, it is also known as viniculture, thus vino. It is a branch of the science of horticulture. And so I, I thought about this. I said, okay, what does it mean then to lift up these branches and that kind of stuff? And, and it came out with this. It says, reasons to lift up branches. It says, some branches are too weak. Others have drooped into the mud. And others are not getting enough light. And so I said, how can I make this parallel? How can I pull this into to where we can understand and we can lift this branch? Because it doesn't say this branch is not connected to the vine. This branch is still connected to the vine. This branch still has a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's not bearing fruit. There's no fruit coming from this branch. Why is that? And it, it goes through that. And so the first one it came up with is it's weak. And there's some of us in this room who aren't bearing fruit, and it's because we're weak. We might be new in our faith. We might have just accepted Christ into our life. Or it might be that we just don't know the Word of God well enough. I hardly get into my Bible. I'm trying to learn this, and I just don't know it well enough. And so we're just really weak. And it doesn't say that it's cut off because you're weak. It says that they, they lift that up, they tie it up. They, sometimes they even connect it to other strong vines, or other branches, I mean, to lift that up. And they lift it up until it's strong enough on its own to what? Bear fruit. The next one, it says it's dropped in the mud. And I believe this is those that they're still connected to Jesus Christ. They still believe in Jesus Christ, but they're dragging. Sometimes we drag ourselves through our past. We can't let go of our past. We can't let go of the things that we did. And sometimes it's the things that we're doing. Some of the mud that we've, we've dropped ourselves into that we just can't see past because we're dealing with that sin in our life or that struggle in our life. We're still connected to the vine. We're still connected to Jesus Christ, but we're in the mud. And we need to be lifted out of that. We need to be lifted out of that so we can see what God is trying to do in our life. And the last one are those of us not getting enough light. For some of us, the only light we get is on a Sunday morning. It might be a midweek. It might be a Bible study. But other than that, we're not getting much light. We're not getting a lot, a lot into His Word. We're not trying to grow very much. And so it's, 
trying to pull us up saying you need to feed on the word. You need to get into the light. You need to be strengthened because you're not bearing any fruit. In all this, we're still connected to the vine. We still believe in Jesus Christ. We're still connected to that life flow. But what I'm saying is saying that we need some of these things to, to, to be able to put them behind us and move forward in our walk with God for us to be able to bear the fruit. The intention is that these branches will remain in the vine and soon be strong enough to start bearing fruit on their own. So that's why they're taken away or lifted up because our desire is that you bear fruit. And that might be you this morning. You might be someone that's taken away. There's no fruit coming from your life. You love Jesus Christ, but you're really not growing. You're really weak in your faith. You're really wrapped up in, and, and you can't deal with your past or you might be just dealing with some stuff right now. Or the last thing, you're not getting enough light. The second one that we find in, same, in the same verse, chapter 2, the second branch, it goes on to say that, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So the second branch we see here is a branch that is pruned. It takes the same form of the word aro, but it adds kathero to it, and it means I clean. I clean. Clean indicates the purifying process of washing that occurs through discipline, through hardship, and even suffering. I clean. John uses that same word, I cleaned, when he talks about Jesus putting on the cloth and kneeling down and washing his disciples' feet. The same word that he used here for the word pruned is that same word, I cleaned, that he uses when he talks about that. And remember, Peter's response was not my feet then, my whole body. You know, and he was challenging him to, to be cleansed in who God was, who Jesus Christ was, and to be able to, you know, you look at the disciples before that point, before Jesus Christ died, there wasn't, you know, the disciples going out and, and people coming to Christ, they were just following Christ, people were following Jesus Christ, and that's what they were doing. They were connected to the vine at that time, and they were being fed. But after Jesus left, and, the, and it says that the Holy Spirit came upon those disciples, what started happening in their life? We start seeing fruit, more fruit, much fruit. It says hundreds were added that, you know, day, on a daily basis to the church because they were connected to the vine. They had been cleaned. They'd been pruned. Was it easy? No. Did they go through some rough times? Yeah. Most of them were put to death. But they still left fruit behind them. So that pruned one... Jesus' intention was a cleaning or a purifying process for those who produce disciples so they might produce more. Pruning implies a cleansing through difficulty, which results in the principles bearing, or which results in the disciples bearing more disciples than he or she had before. Who here feels pruned? You know, gone through that process, that cleaning, that sometimes going through a rough time, going through suffering, going through these things. So we can be strengthened in Christ, that pruning process. Second Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not some, it says everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Hebrews 12, 11 goes on to say, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, right? But painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. 
And the powerful thing here is pruning can't be done by the branches. It has to be done by the gardener. Too many times we try to fix other people's lives. Or too many times we try to fix ourselves before coming to God. We try to prune ourselves. We try to get rid of those sins or those struggles that we have before we can really bear fruit and really be known who, you know, know who Christ is. Or if we get rid of, you know, we help someone out and know that they are doing wrong or whatever, we can help them. But it's the gardener who prunes. And it's not always him pruning the bad stuff in our lives. Sometimes there's some good stuff in our life that he needs to prune. So what is that? How many of us have tried changing first before coming back to God and it never worked? Or maybe it worked for a little while. Yes, I'm doing so well. And then you mess up. And you're like, I'm a failure. I'm lousy. You know, because we keep trying to prune ourselves. John Piper said this, suffering is not only the consequence of completing the commission, but it is God's appointed means by which he will show the superior worth of his son to all people. Just as it was fitting that he should make the founder of our salvation perfect through suffering. We serve a savior who came to this earth to suffer came to this earth to die on a cross. And it wasn't just the physical pain that made him suffer. It was the pain of taking on our sin. The man who knew no sin took on sin for us and suffered for us so that we would know what life was about, so that we could have life. Pruning isn't always cutting away the bad, but it's cutting away the good and the even better so that we might be the best. Pruning. And then the last branch, the last branch is found in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. The last branch here is, is to, to cast or to throw. It's the first part of the word is ballow. The second part is exo, which is thrown away or cast out or fallen. Branches are not forced to abide in the vine. We are not forced to spend extravagant daily time with Jesus Christ. But if we don't, we will become so dry that we separate from the vine. We'll be burned, disposed of, as we are not accomplished, accomplishing anything that God intended to us in our purpose of life, which is bearing fruit. And so basically, we're good for nothing. We're thrown out, cast aside. And that, that was why I, I wanted to challenge you because I, I believe that in this room there's some of us who are, are being pruned and being challenged and God's cutting things in our life and God is working in our life and we're seeing that as he's doing that, we're seeing fruit coming from that. And there's some of us that, that are still that first branch taken away and we're not bearing fruit right now. We love Jesus Christ, but there's not a lot going on. We're not spending a lot of time with him at all. We're not getting any light or we're so weak. We're still buried in the mud. And there's some of us here that don't know what it means to be connected to the vine. We don't know the, the life flow that comes to us by being connected to Jesus Christ. So back to my original question, question that I had for you. What is truly living? In your life, what is truly living? The best way to truly live is to truly die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, great author, he, he said it this way. 
The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. But it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him, come and die. The cross is not the end, but the beginning. When we die to our sin and worldly way of thinking, we become alive in Christ. We begin to abide in him and he in us. He lifts us up and he strengthens us. He prunes us back so we can bear fruit. So our desire through our first step of life, this, this, this thing that we're talking about here, is if we abide in Christ, or, or to abide in Christ, is we need to abide in Christ with our walk with God while being nourished and strengthened by his word so that we will grow in our relationships with him and produce disciples. And this relationship, so it talks about is growing relationships. There's the, it's the shape of a cross. There's these, these uh, horizontal relationships that we have with one another. And these leaders that we can have in our life and people that we have in our life that we speak into our life and are challenged by and are, are grown by or people that we can speak into their life and, and that's where that fruit comes from. But you also have to have this vertical relationship with God. You have to be connected to the vine and who Jesus Christ is. So this is our desire this morning, and this is my challenge for us this morning, is to, to look inside, and only you know, other people can point out, well, you're this kind of branch, you know, but that's not what it's about. Only you know what kind of branch you are. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with, with a challenge this morning, that you look deep inside of yourself, and you be honest with yourself, and say, am I bearing fruit? Am I connected to the vine? Am I being pruned right now so I can bear more fruit, much fruit? I want to be able to interview 50 of you at the age of 95 and hear you say, I took risks in my walk with God. I reflected daily on his word and it shows and I bared fruit. I bared fruit. So if you look at your life right now, what kind of branch are you? And my first challenge to you is the taken away branch. If you're the taken away branch, you believe in Jesus Christ, you love Jesus Christ, but there's no fruit coming from your life right now. And you might be needing, in in one of these areas to be helped, you might be a very weak Christian. Either you've newly come to Christ, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've never really grown. And you're not bearing much fruit because you don't know much about the Word of God and you're just a weak Christian. That might be you. Or you might be sitting in this room saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I can't get rid of my past. God did, but I can't. I can't forgive myself. Or you might be dealing with some sin in your life right now and you're saying, okay, as soon as I get rid of all this sin, then I can be connected to the vine. And that's not how it works. And you need to be lifted out of the mud. So you can see clearly. And the last part of that one is maybe you're the person not getting enough light. The only light that you receive is on a weekend. And it's not enough. And you need to grow. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to be challenged in the Word of God. And what God is doing in your life. And so I'm going to do something that might scare a lot of people. But if you're that vine, I mean you're that branch, I'm going to ask you to do something very daring 
and that goes along with taking a risk. If you're that vine who is connected to Christ, but you're not really bearing any fruit, I want you to take a stand right now and stand up for me. And no, it's not easy. But it's you stay, making that, taking that risk, saying, you know what, God? I'm tired. I'm not bearing any fruit. I want to live connected and see stuff come out of it, God. I want to see my kids worship Christ. I want to see my kids connected to the vine, not connected to, to my branch and connected to the God I believe in, but my kids connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ. I want to see my family. I want to see my coworkers. I want to see fruit come out of this. And the next branch that we talked about is, is the prune branch. And the prune branch doesn't mean you're perfect because God's still pruning you. But the prune branch means that you're seeing fruit come out of your life. And there's many people in here who are pruned. And it's not saying that you're on a higher level than anybody else because you're still connected to the exact same vine that these guys are connected to. And what I'm asking you to do, and, and I know that there may not be enough of you in here, but if you are a pruned branch, I want you to stand. And, and if you're close to one of these people, I want you to put your hand on them. If you are a pruned branch in this room right now, and gather close to these people, because that's what it was talking about when it talks about being taken away. They wouldn't just tie it up to a fence post, but they would most of the times tie it up to a stronger branch, a branch that was bearing fruit, so that branch could see what was going on and, and to be strengthened by it. And then the last branch, and that doesn't just mean those that are sitting down are the last branch, but that last branch <laughs> is those of you that have never really decided to be connected to the vine. You don't know for sure what that looks like. You may be in fear. You, don't, you just don't know what's going on there. And we want you to be connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ. We want you to be able to start growing in your walk with God. And so as you're sitting there, and, and I want you to be able to, if we have some of the prayer people, if some of the prayer people could come up front, I know that you might be gathered around people, but I just need a few people up front. But if you're someone who has never been connected to the vine and you want to find what that means, I want you to come to some of the people up front and ask them for prayer and say, I want to be connected to this vine. I want to truly live my life. But for the rest of this, uh, of us in here, as I, as I close in prayer, I want you to, to pray for those around you. Pray for those around you that are the taken away branches, that want to see some fruit start to come from their lives. They want to be challenged in that area. Because I believe God's going to do some amazing things through the, the, the branches that are in this church. All right, so Father God, Lord, we just come to you, the great gardener, this morning. God, you know our hearts. You know each and every one of us, God. As the gardener, you know your branches, God. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room right now. No matter what branch we are, Lord, you desire for us to be connected to the vine. You desire for us to have this relationship through Jesus Christ. And God, I specifically pray for those right now who are connected to you but are struggling and bearing fruit. Lord, this is a season for them to be strengthened. This is a season for them to get forgiveness for their sins, God. This is a season for them to move past their past. This is a season for them to dive into your word and start to grow. And God, this is a time for them to be able to look back and see the moment that they started to bear fruit. Lord, I lift up those that are gathered around, that are the ones being pruned, Lord. And Lord, that we don't ever stop being pruned. We don't ever stop growing in you. We don't ever stop bearing fruit, Lord. 
that they would strengthen those around them, that they would lift those around them up and walk with them, God, and see them connected in such a strong, strong way, Lord, to the vine. And Lord, last, I pray for those who don't know what it means to be connected to the vine, God, that life flow. Lord, I pray this morning that they would cry out to you, whether they come up and ask someone to pray with them, Lord, or they do it in their seats, that they would just cry out saying, God, I want to know what it feels like to have true life, to live a true life, to be connected to you. So Lord, we give you that this morning. We give you our lives this morning, God. Let us leave this place contemplating what we just heard, God, and not leaving it there, but saying, God, how can I apply this to my life? How can I grow in what I heard this morning? How can you prune me? How can you strengthen me, God? Or how can I be connected to you? So Lord, we give you that this morning in your precious and holy name. Amen.